You are listening to the Next Best Series podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with Emmy Award-nominated director Francesca Gregorini for her episode for The Dropout, Iron Sisters. The world works in certain ways until a new great idea comes along and changes everything. What if you could test your blood in your own home? And what if it wasn't a whole vial, but just a drop? I'm going to drop out to Stanford. This machine is going to change the world. These kids don't overthink. They don't get bogged down about the way things have always been done. They want to change things now. Together, we're making healthcare accessible to everyone in this country. I don't understand how you're doing this extremely complex chemical engineering with a high school degree. This technology is 10 years away. Your idea is impossible, so you just keep trying. Do or do not, there is no try. That's Yoda. Okay. If you want this, you have to dedicate yourself. What are you willing to do to get it? I can't give them one reason to doubt me. It's not even close to working yet. What are we going to show at the demo? We're going to tell them that we don't have a working prototype. Right? Our Series B closed at $165 million. Get the money! did at the demo. The demo was an inspiring step forward. Don't tell anyone else. I'm going to protect you. This is an inspiring, an inspiring step forward. This isn't just my job. This is who I am. Anybody who doubts my company doubts me. You're CEO of a billion dollar company. What are you afraid of? Her whole image is fake. We have to stop her. We haven't seen a single contract. She is lying to you. You're in over your head. You're going to lose everything. No, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. You don't understand the business. And you don't understand the science. Your company was endangering lives. This is your dream, your story. People will trust the technology. They will trust you. Francesca, congratulations on your first ever Emmy nomination uh, and, and the success of the show overall. Six Emmy nominations. Pretty remarkable. Uh, how's it feel to, to get recognized by the Emmys like that? Well, I'm not going to lie. It feels pretty dang good. Not to use another four-letter word, but... <laughs> you, can't cu- you can't curse on this podcast, oh, by the really? way. So. <laughs> okay. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm super psyched. It's, you know, it's great to, to, to get that pat on the back and to be recognized by your peers for, like, you know, for, for your work. I mean, that's, you know, it's pretty awesome. And I'm super excited that the show on a whole has been so well-received and, you know, well-recognized. It's like, you know, it takes a lot of things to come together and just the right mix for that to work, you know, and, uh, you know, and this, the dropout really, you know, manage that. So I'm proud to be a part of it more than anything else. So good. You know, I, I understand when artists say, you know, we don't do it for the awards and all this year, and I believe that, and that's, uh, you know, you have much better reasons for creating art, but I know it's, it's an amazing honor to, to be recognized like that. So, uh, so yeah, congratulations again. Thank you so much. We don't do it for the awards, but we'll take them. If right. they're good, we'll take them. <laughs> right, right. So let's let's talk about the show. So if my understanding is correct, Michael Showalter directed the first four episodes with an entirely different camera crew and DP. Is that is that true? 
Yes, that is that is that is entirely true. <laughs> so for your two episodes, was it like jumping on a moving train or, you know, how, what sort of collaboration was there for with your other directors? Um, I think that that's probably a great analogy. Um, and, you know, honestly, like, you know, every production is its own kind of beast. And I say that in a loving way. <laughs> um, but um there, you know, this, there wasn't that much collaboration, honestly, because like you said, we had an entirely different crew and um, they were still filming when I came on um, because there were some delays, you know, we were, you know, all operating during a time of COVID. So that created some challenges in and of itself, which I have to give credit to the production. They handled, you know, extremely well. So really, we were kind of all siloed off in our own little world. So it's amazing that it all just, you know, came together. But I think, you know, I think, you know, you can see sort of the the difference in sort of, you know, directing styles and, you know, with with each different person at the helm. And yet, because of the consistency, obviously, of Amanda and the, the amazing cast, it all, it you know, it really does uh, come together. And, you know, I was lucky because sort of my episodes come at a turning point where sort of um, the character of, you know, Elizabeth really steps into her sort of, she's drank the Kool-Aid. She's become, uh, you know, she's become that character. So there was room stylistically for it to sort of shift a bit and kind of become a little more stylized and, you know, glamorized for lack of a better word. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask you more about that. I, I'm curious about the process of jumping into a show, you know, the halfway point of this show. Like you said, you you and Erica were able to kind of bring new styles. So uh, what ways were you able to find those places to bring your own style, your own perspective? Um, I mean, I think really pretty much throughout. I mean, for my episode, Iron Sisters, which is the one that's, you know, nominated for the Emmy, I was lucky because I had um, those kind of interstitial commercials, sort of the behind the scenes of the commercial. So that really gave me an opportunity to, you know, do something that I I love to do just in in the work that I do, period, which is really get inside of the character. And so with those extreme close-ups um, of Elizabeth and sort of using the outtakes of those, where you can really see the fracturing within her own brain of like, 
oh my God, I'm under the microscope. And they're asking me like questions that seemingly are very simple. Like, what would you tell your friends? And she realizes I don't flipping have any friends <laughs> and shit like that was, you know, was a real opportunity. And, you know, and also I got to do the scene where, um, you know, Tyler confronts her or she, rather she confronts Tyler at her party about, you know, kind of outing her to George Schultz. And, you know, that was a real opportunity for Elizabeth to sort of lower her mask and be threatening really for the first time, um, you know, to, to, to someone else. So you start, really start to see the wheels come off the bus. And then right after that, Tyler has to serenade her <laughs> at her birthday, you know, and plus, you know, the, the Stanley Kubrick, you know, owed to her party with, you know, everyone wearing her mask. There was just a lot of, you know, fun things uh, in my episodes that I got to, you know, use sort of like, you know, my flair, my flair for directing um, in, in terms stylistically, you know, and which was amazing because the show had that latitude and, you know, the producers allowed me to, you know, do my best work, which is uh, I was really grateful for. Yeah. Did, did you feel like it was important to to do lots of research before jumping on or did you kind of want to stick to the script uh, and kind of use just what's what's on the page as you dove into direct well i mean what was on the page was really quite brilliant and also in the hands of you know william h macy and laurie metcalf and amanda Seyfried and naveen i mean it's you know stephen fry it was like you know, there was no lack of like people at the top of their game really having fun with what, with what was on the page. So there was no need to sort of like add another layer of craziness onto it. And honestly, you know, I had watched the documentary and became obsessed with her just on my own. And when I saw in the trades that they were going to do a series, like I called my agents immediately and I was like, I need to direct on this show. They're like, they're not even at the stage of looking for directors. I was like, I don't care. Like you track this mother and you like bring her back to me because I just knew that this was something that was like right up my alley, sort of, you know, women on the verge, I think is my specialty. Um, if I look at sort of the work that I've done, um, I don't know what that says about me or, you know, my surroundings, but, um, you know, I just love, you know, I love women. I love telling stories about women and, you know, and so this was a perfect, uh, a perfect matchup for me. Well, this version of the woman on the edge, uh, Amanda Seyfried, she's mentioned how how you and the other directors helped make her feel really safe in this role. You know, this this is really a, a major step forward in her career. Um, an incredible performance. What did you do to help help her take control of of this performance and feel empowered to take this big step in her career? I mean, honestly, she's too kind because she really, you know, she's she's such a professional and she really like embodied her like to the nth degree. And the amazing thing about her is that, you know, she doesn't stay in character like, you know, between takes even, you know, she's like being silly and really being Amanda. And then the camera's on and she's just like overtaken by this, you know, this other being. <laughs> um, but honestly, to me, I always find that it's really important to sort of connect with the actor themselves. And, you know, I'm a director who actually genuinely loves actors, which I can't say is really maybe the truth for many directors. And, you know, actors are no fools. And I think they really sense that. They sense that you're in their corner. They sense that you want them to do their very best work. 
And, you know, and I'm always there if they reach out and I always want them to, you know, really go for the rafters, you know, because there's no, you know, we can edit, we can edit anything, but you might as well just really go for it. So I think like Amanda mentioned in the puppet scene um, that she did sort of the episode before Iron Sisters, you know, where she sort of um, tells Sonny like we won because, uh, you know, Stephen Fry's character is dead, you know, just showing, I think in my episodes in particular, showing the side of her that was conscious about what was happening, you know, um, and sort of just her just deciding to make that choice. She's going to cross the line because she's in too deep. Um, so that's really kind of what we worked on is sort of her embodiment of that. Uh, you know, like you said, you you had kind of become obsessed with Elizabeth Holmes and pursued this show. In what ways, if if at all, do you think working on this series changed your perspective on Elizabeth Holmes? Well, it was interesting because it was a very meta experience because while I was shooting my episodes was when the trial was going on. And so like the texts between her and Sonny were coming out. And so it was like, you know, and suddenly there was, you know, allegations of abuse within the relationship, but we hadn't heard his, his side of things, you know, so we kind of really walked the line, you know, uh, me and, you know, Amanda and Naveen and Liz Merriweather, you know, the fabulous showrunner. And I think, you know, it came out sort of in the scene when they're, you know, Sonny and Elizabeth are heading to the party and you see him physically grab her and pull her to him and kind of threaten to expose that they're in a relationship um, you know, and so so we we tried to sort of walk that line of peppering like, OK, well, what is going on here? There's obviously some imbalance of power, yet for the most part, she seems to be controlling him and the company. So it was, you know, it's it was happening in real time. So just sort of, you know, the truth of the matter is you never know what goes on between closed doors between people. And sort of this was our best stab at sort of revealing, you know, with as much research as went into this and as much soul searching as, you know, we all could do, the, you know, a fair, if there is any such <laughs> way, uh, depiction of, you know, these people, you know, really, you know, in the hot seat. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, and and I think a, a really fascinating aspect of the dropout, obviously, is the narrative of a, a charismatic woman who's able to become a billionaire CEO. And and I, I think it's not lost on me that you're the only female nominee in your category at the Emmys in, in a very traditionally male-dominated field, right? And uh, so I just wondered, in, in what ways uh, do you think your your personal perspective helped uh, elevate the show? I don't know. I just hope it means that I'm going to become a billionaire too. <laughs> I, mean, I guess that means I have to drink my own Kool-Aid. So I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, I don't really know how to answer that question. I just know that, you know, from, you know, when I came into 
you know, directing, which was, you know, I'm not going to say how long ago because I don't want it to age me. Um, but, you know, there has, you know, it's been moving steadily in a better direction in terms of, you know, uh, female director participation. But, you know, obviously we still have a very long way to go if I'm, you know, the only one in my category recognized. Um, so, you know, we, we soldier on and, you know, and I really, I, I, I know the responsibility that we have, those of us that are sort of privileged enough to be working in this industry as women to sort of like do our very best work for our own selves, but also to make sure that door stays open for, you know, all the women coming behind us. And there's so many talented, you know, women in this field. So, um, doing the best we can. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And we'll work on the uh, we'll work on the billionaire status. Uh, we'll see. What okay, we can do. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, congrats on the success uh, and, and your first Emmy nomination. Uh, what's next for you? Do you have any features or, or more TV in the works? Um, well, I'm I do have a, a feature that I'm attached to uh, about Anna Nicole Smith, which is another <laughs> woman on the verge. So I'm continuing uh, along this thread for better or for worse. I'm I'm doubling down. Um, so, you know, we'll see how and when that comes together. You know, it's always tricky with indies. Um, and uh, yeah, and, you know, I'm considering, you know, different, you know, television series and, um, you know, and like that, just keeping my options open and, you know, but want to, you know, do good work, really. That's that's my that's my main objective here. What stage of the process is the Anna Nicole Smith film in? Or, or are you able to talk about any of the process that you're in now? Um, not really, except, you know, <laughs> we're looking for funds. So if there's anyone out there wants to send us some money for that, uh, you know, you know where to find me, contact my agents. No, all, all, all kidding aside, it's, it's you know, we're, we're at that stage. Um, and I do have a tremendous cast put together, but I, I don't think I'm, I'm meant to um, talk about it yet just because we don't, we're not like, you know, quote unquote, green, green lit. And I don't even know if that even exists in the indie world. I think you're always kind of in the, in the, you know, that lawn, that California lawn, that's sort of browning. <laughs> You're just like, let's keep watering it. It'll come back. So uh, yeah, that that's kind of where we are because that's the world I come from. So uh, it's, you know, I'll always be in my heart an indie filmmaker, but, you know, really happy to be working in television where it's like, when you're hired, you're actually hired and it's actually gonna go and people are actually gonna see it. So that part is, I have to say, thrilling. Um, and, you know, what can I say? I'm, I'm lucky to be here and I'm very grateful. And we're lucky that you are here. Uh, again, thank you so much for your work and, and congrats and best of luck at the Emmys. We're, we're rooting for you. Okay, thank you so much. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the Emmy-nominated director for The Dropout, Francesca Gregorini, here on the Next Best Series podcast. Francesca Gregorini is up for your consideration for her episode, Iron Sisters, and The Dropout is up for your consideration in six categories at this year's Primetime Emmy Awards. You have been listening to the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella, and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts and be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.
You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.